yeah, 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 yeah. Come on to put those hands together. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise this morning. We bless his holy and righteous name. Amen. Come on to put those hands together real good and give God praise and glory in the house. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, Hopewell. Good morning, Hopewell. Those in person and those online. Those in person, can you help me praise God for our online audience that's watching this morning? The Hope at Home experience. Amen. Amen. Since you're yet still standing, grab your Bibles and go with me to John chapter 8. John's Gospel. John chapter 8. Amen. If you're not already standing, go ahead and stand with us as we go to the Word of God. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. John 8, 3 through 11. We are still in our series entitled Grace. We're almost at the end. Amen. We're almost at the end. John chapter 8. Sound like one of those old school church mothers. Amen. John chapter 8, <laughs> verses 3 through 11. John 8. 3 through 11. Amen. Those that are watching online and in person, there is no fresh start Monday morning prayer call tomorrow. It's Labor Day. Amen. And so we're going to rest from our labor. Amen. So we're not going to be on. You can call in. Amen. It would just be you and the Lord. Amen. I'm still going to be asleep. Praise the Lord. John 8, 3 through 11. And I'm reading from New Living Translation of the Bible, and it reads as this. As he was speaking... Uh, the teachers of, of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into something that they could use against him. But Jesus being so smooth and all that he does, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said to her, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and the liberation of your word. We ask and pray this morning um, that your word will not fall on deaf ears, oh God, but that we've already made up in our minds that however we need to obey, however we need to walk out your word, that we're willing to do it and your grace will enable us to be able to do so. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, before you take your seat, look at somebody that you didn't ride the church with, just wave at them, give them an air hug. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in part four of our series entitled Grace, and I want to preach, teach from the subject this morning, drop your stones, drop your stones. We've been investigating the scriptures over the past few weeks, looking at how uh, how amazing 
Jesus's grace is. I mean, it's something that you and I cannot work to be able to get. It is something that has been a free gift through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A, a new way of living he gives us. A new access to living that he gives us. And we've been seeing how grace applies to our lives where he's not looking to condemn us, but he's willing to give us his grace, his kindness, and his mercy, and his favor. But I want us to look at this morning, not just so much about the grace that the Lord gives us, but the grace that should be extended to each other. The grace that Jesus gives you and I is not something for us to be able to hoard. It's not something for us to feel entitled to. It is something that each of us should be willing to extend to somebody else. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Nobody want to have church with me this morning. I said the same grace that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives to us time and time and time again, evangelists. It's not just something for us to be able to hold on to or to hoard for ourselves, but it should be something, Mother Albert, that we should be extending to those that we come in contact with. This story this morning, man, this is almost like a reality TV show right here because uh, you have a woman. We don't, know so much, we don't know too much about the woman. All we know is that, is that she is a woman. We don't know a name. We don't know her age. We don't know her occupation. We don't know any of those things. All we know that there is a woman who has been caught in the very act of adultery context tells us that that, 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 that that the religious teachers and the Pharisees were always looking for an opportunity to be able to trap Jesus. So they go and they find this woman, Sister Brian, that has been caught in the act of adultery and they bring her. Some theologians suggest that when they grabbed her out of the house, she didn't have time to grab a coat. She didn't have time to grab a towel. That she barely probably came out almost naked in front of everybody in the temple. So imagine Religious teachers, those are in the temple, ready to learn, interrupted when they hear some mumbling and some jumbling at the door and enters in the Pharisees and the religious teacher with a half naked woman coming before them. Stating this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now, you got to understand this, this is where it gets good at right here. Because during this time, the law said that it's not just the mere fact that you saw her and some other gentleman come out of a hotel room. There had to be two witnesses that saw everything from start to finish, and they had to agree in their stories. I'm going to say it again. It was not just hearsay. Girl, did you know does brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so came out of the Holiday Inn? No, 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 no. These were two spies that had been on assignment to be able to peep through, peeping toms, to look through this window and to catch them in the act of committing adultery. They saw every move. They saw everything that was going on from the start to finish. And they bring her before Jesus to be able to trap Jesus and saying, okay, now, 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 now. If you're so gracious that you say that you are, then you will extend grace to this woman and mercy to this woman. But then 
if you're trying to break the law of Moses, no, if you're trying to keep the law of Moses, according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, that if anyone is caught in the act of adultery, they are to be stoned to death. They are to be brought out before the people and stoned because they want to make sure that they keep the purity of, of society. They want to make sure that they keep holiness within society and to make an example out of everybody else. This is something that you should not do. This woman half naked probably 13, 14, 15 years old so to speak because at this time this girls, young girls were getting married around their age. Half naked being bought out in front of everybody at the temple that should be a safe place but exposed demeaned humiliated in front of everybody in the temple the Pharisees and the religious teachers thought that hey 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 we're going to use this as an example to be able to trap Jesus but they didn't even realize that while they were trying to trap someone in their sin and trying to and trying to trap Jesus up in what he believed they were sinning against God in their very act because they bought the woman but they didn't bring the man last time I checked you can't commit adultery by yourself they bring the woman out. She's there in front of everybody. And they ask Jesus, what are you going to do about this? Are you going to break the law of Moses? Or are you going to extend grace? Can I share something with us this morning that we may not want to hear, but we got it, we got it, we got it here, we got to hear it. That many of us, including myself, are more like the religious leaders and the Pharisees than we think we are. Sometimes, I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens on this. Sometimes we are more like the religious leaders and the Pharisees than we are Christ. Because we're looking, we're looking, trying to find a reason to be able to point out somebody's flaws and their sins more than we are trying to extend grace and extend mercy. Now, I know, I know it's twofold, it's twofold, it's twofold, it's twofold, because now we have a society and a generation now that says, hey, only God can judge me. You can't judge me. You're not supposed to judge me. The Bible tells us not to judge, but the Bible does admonish us to be fruit inspectors, because the Bible says that we should know them by the fruit that they bear. So as a believer of Jesus Christ, I'm not called to judge you, but I am called to inspect your fruit, because if you say that you are saved, then you have been, then you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb there ought to be something within you that I see Christ and less of sin why because going back to what Romans says I, 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 I've experienced a new life I have died with Christ and now I've been resurrected with a new life in Christ and because there's a new life in Christ there ought to be a difference in my actions and in my behaviors now since I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb there is a difference. There's a difference between judging somebody and holding somebody accountable. Right, 
There's a difference in judging and accountability. They are not the same. Judging, I'm critiquing. Judging, I am condemning. condemning. But accountability means that I have spent some time or I'm willing to spend some time with you to build a relationship so that you can be able to trust me and share those areas that you desire to grow in so that I can be able to walk with you, not against you. And hold you accountable in specific areas in your life. So as believers of Jesus Christ, I even hear some saints say this, only God can judge me. You can't judge me, but I am called to inspect the fruit of your life. I am called to see, hey, is there any fruits? Is there anything within your life, within your behavior, within your lifestyle that helps me to be able to see that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have broke up with sin now that you have new life in Christ? And now I'm called to do life with you and to come alongside of you and you come alongside of me and to build trust so that I can be able to have accountability in my life where you're not working against me but that you're walking with me. We are more like the religious teachers and Pharisees sometimes than we are Christ. That we're quick to judge without having a history lesson. <laughs> we're quick to judge without knowing and understanding what has gone on in a person's life that has caused them to get to where they are right now. And what happens is, saints of God, what happens is, what happens, we don't know the history because we haven't used the time to invest within their life to build trust, to build a relationship where we're not just trying to collect data on them, but we're opening ourselves up as well and we're doing life together and we're exchanging things together to be able to grow in our walk with Christ. Truth of the matter is, thank you, Holy Spirit, it's easier, Greta, and less work to judge than to hold somebody accountable. Oh, I can critique real quick and condemn real quick and put you in hell real quick, but it's more work and more that I have to give of myself in sacrifice to build accountability because now I may have to open up myself and share some secret sins with you as well. God, because you cannot expect for me to hold you accountable and you just tell me stuff and I never tell you nothing. And we wonder why relationships in church are so hard. And we wonder why building a community in church is so challenging. Because we've mastered being critics. And we've gotten an F in being Christ-like. Judgment shrinks our ability to love and to serve others properly. Properly. When we're quick to be a critic, when we're quick to be a judge, it lessens our capacity to effectively love and to serve 
others. You can't love somebody that you look at two-faced. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't serve anybody that you're looking at with double eyes because you're critiquing their life. You're judging everything in their life. You're not looking to build accountability. You're looking for something to be able to gossip about. Oh, I know it's tight, but it's yet still right. Judgment shrinks our ability to be able to love people because we would see them in their sin and not see them as a creation made by God. We will see them in the sin that they have committed or are committing and not be able to serve them because of their sins, because of what they may have done, because of how they may be, because of how they may have behaved, we'll be quick to cut them off. Our cutoff game as believers are too, it's too quick. We're so quick. We're so quick to cut folks off. I've never seen the likes of people who are called to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. I've never seen the likes of people who are called to have compassion and love and gentleness and self-control cut folks off so quick. Why have we adopted principles of the world into the kingdom? Now, is that not the Bible? Paul even talks about it, that you have a brother that's there, a brother, a sister that's sinning. Uh, I think was there over in Corinthians with the guy. He was sleeping with his stepmother. And he would not stop. He just would not stop. He didn't find nothing wrong with it. He wouldn't stop. And Paul told them, get rid of the brother. He don't want to repent. He doesn't want to acknowledge. He does not want to confess. No, he's just a little leaven will spoil the whole bunch. They had to make an example from that guy when it came to sin. But if you have someone that's willing to acknowledge, if you have someone that's willing to confess, if you have someone that's willing to repent, why are we cutting them off? Because our judgment lessens our capacity to love them and to serve them. Our judgment shrinks our capacity to effectively love them and serve them because we see them as their sin and not as one that's been made in the likeness and the image of God. I'm almost done. Judgment can sometimes create distance, and I like this right here, and a sense of spiritual elitism. That we distance ourselves from those that sin differently than we do. And we judge them, and we judge them, and we judge them with a sense of arrogance as if we are some as if we're in some upper 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 spiritual level than they are when the truth of the matter is we all have sinned and fallen short and because they're sinning differently than we are we put them into a category and we deem them as someone who is not worthy of God's grace, who is not worthy of God's love, and who's not worthy of our time. What I love about this story that we have such bad teaching on, 
that in this story, evangelist, Jesus is not condoning the woman's sin. He's not. What he's doing, he's helping the religious teachers and the Pharisees to realize you're holding this woman, this woman accountable. You, 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 you're pointing out a sin in this woman's life where you fail to realize you have sin and trying to trap her in her sin. And you've deemed yourself distant from her and a higher level spiritually. In some sense, you, they had a spiritual arrogance about them. That they were better than everybody else. Here's the thing, saints of God, that you and I can never forget. When it comes to ministry, we will get ministry right when we do ministry the way that Jesus did it. We will get ministry right when we do ministry the way that Jesus did it. Well, Pastor, what did Jesus do? Majority of the ministry of Jesus was not done in the temple or in the four walls of a building. Majority of Jesus' ministry activities was outside amongst those that were not saved. The Bible says that he hung out with the tax collectors. That he hung out with the thieves. That he hung out with the prostitutes. Here it is. But in him doing so and having association with them, it never jeopardized or questioned his integrity or his character. He spent time with the prostitutes, but he wasn't trying to get nothing from them. He spent time with the tax collectors knowing they had been robbing people of their money, but he did not say, you break me off a little piece, what you get? He realized that if they're ever going to experience my love, my grace, and my mercy, I'm going to have to dwell among them and be among them so that they will know what it feels like to come in contact with the love of Jesus. So that they will know what it feels like to come in contact with compassion. Can it be said to us that when unbelievers see us and they're in, their, in our midst, can they say that when I was around them, I felt the love of Jesus? When I was around them, I felt compassion. When I was around them, I felt grace and mercy be extended to me. Or were we just critics? Condemning them. As if we're a part of some elite spiritual class. This woman. It's brought probably before a temple full of men. Her daddy's not there. No one to protect her. Nobody to run a blanket to her to kind of cover her up. She's out there vulnerable, open, embarrassed, shamed. The guys that had been peeping Tom's that saw everything that she had did, probably in the back talking, wait till we get out the temple. I'm about to text her to see if she can roll by my house tonight. She's there. No protection, no covering. Religious teachers say, Jesus. 
Let's see if you are who you say you are. We've caught this woman in the act of adultery. And what do religious people do? They bring the Bible up real quick from their own interpretation. What are you going to do with this woman, Jesus? According to the law of Moses, she should be stoned to death. Or are you so gracious that you will extend grace and mercy and let this woman go? (laughs) Jesus there, so smooth, just bends down and starts writing in the sand. People have been trying to figure out what did Jesus write in the sand. I don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. I'm going to ask him once I get to heaven. What, 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 what did you write in the sand? He, he, he gets up. He says, you, those that have never sinned, you can pick up your rock and you can be the first one to throw it at this lady. They're sitting there ready with their rocks to take this woman out. Jesus makes that announcement and he goes back to writing in the sand. And one by one, they drop their rocks and they begin to walk away. One by one, they come into the reality of their own fate and realizing, hey, while I'm trying to stone somebody else, I very well could be stoned too. (laughs) They walk away, dropping their stones from the oldest to the youngest. No one there was left. No one there was qualified to be able to judge or critique. Why? Because they had missed God's standard as well. They had missed the mark. They had dropped the ball in their own lives. We're called to inspect fruit. But we're not called to be spiritual critics. There are three questions that we should ask ourselves before we judge anybody. First question we should ask ourselves is this. Am I bothered by a particular sin rather than all sin? Because Rather we want to believe it or not, myself included, we have categorized certain sins in certain spots in our lives. And some sins hit, hit differently than others. And because of that, based off of where their sin lies within our sin map on our life, within us, will determine how we react to it. We'll determine how much we'll have to say about it will determine how much of a big deal we'll make about it. If it's something that does not affect me, I ain't got nothing to say about it. But as soon as it gets close to home, then I'm going to. Should it be? 
that we're not just bothered by a particular sin, but that we're bothered by all sin? Oh, then there was a holy hush in the church. Just as if we would deal with someone who's involved in immoral activity should be the same way we should check someone that deals with, that battles with jealousy. Why? Because jealousy soon turns into more than just, hey, I'm mad because you got something that I want. It turns into now we begin to treat people differently because they got something that we want. Now we just mean towards them for no reason. We walking around, getting ready to shout in church. There's only five people in the sanctuary. You don't spoke to everybody but them, but you look at them real hard, up and down, then walk away. What is that? What is, what is that? Just like we want to hold someone accountable to save themselves until they're married, we should be holding someone accountable when their behaviors and their attitudes does not match the mind and the likeness of Christ. So am I bothered by a particular sin rather than all sin? Number two, am I guilty of pouring out the failures of others while ignoring my own? Am I quick to critique or to see the speck that's in your eye? But I missed the whole SIU arena that's in mine. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben Terra Center. We don't get the name change. Am I quick to see your sins? But I never see. I quick to see how rude somebody else is, but they didn't see how you just went off on your kid in the car. <laughs> I mean, curse them out. Am, am I good at critiquing others, but horrible at critiquing myself? Because here's what I found out. As I grow closer in my walk with God, the moment I'm quick, Dr. Lane, to critique somebody else or to judge somebody else, Holy Spirit pricks my heart. He'd be like, oh, homeboy, wait a minute now. <laughs> wait a minute, homie. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You still right here. I, I, you forgot about this, but I didn't. Here it is. I was on the phone last week getting some work done on the house. Something just wasn't right. I said, like, man, that, that's not adding up. Sister Swim said, well, we ain't paying nobody until we talk to the owner. Call the owner. I know the owner. I work with the owner in the community. Call the owner up. Get on the phone. I said, hey, I just got some questions. You know, something's not lining up right with something we had done before. The, 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 the descriptions and all that stuff ain't matching. We just want some clarity on it. Talking, 
the tone in the voice, I said, oh, God, he, this brother's mad. I, I said, hey, dude. I said, I'm sensing an attitude. Yeah, you are. I said, oh, help me, Jesus. I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, I didn't call you with an attitude. I didn't call you being upset. I didn't call you blaming you for nothing. I just called trying to get some clarity. And goes off, goes off. Nothing but the Holy Spirit stopped me from saying what I wanted to say. I did not want to quote scriptures. I wanted to curse them out. Oh, yes, I did. I could not control what he said and how he said it. All I could do was control me. I had no authority over what he said, Brian, even though if this had been a face-to-face -face thing, the conversation would have got hot real quick. It would have been a different story. I could not control what he did, what he said, how he said it. I only could control me, and it was the Holy Spirit. And that's why I tell folks it is a personal decision that we make every day to live holy. And the Holy Ghost will help you live in a way that brings God glory and bring God honor. I couldn't think of any curse words at the moment. I thought of all the words I wanted to say after the conversation. While I'm so concerned at deep pointing out where he dropped the ball and what error it was in his ways, Holy Spirit had to bring up to me, listen, I'm going to silence you because if I don't, I know you would say something stupid. That'll ruin your, that will, that will impact your character and your integrity. Brother, brother go along and say, I got cursed out by the passive hope well. <laughs> Tell what I did. I would have told every word I said, sister. Are we guilty of pointing out the sins and the failures of others? But you never see your own stuff. You never see your own stuff. Why? Why can you see everybody else's but you never see yourself? The Bible says, let a man examine himself, but we're examining others. And we miss seeing ourselves. Last question, are my standards God's word or just my personal preferences? Am I holding people accountable to God's word or is it just simply a preference that I have? Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes our preferences have nothing to do with God's word. It's just our preferences. <laughs> and we're quick to become legalistic and hold people accountable and, and hostage to our preferences. And we miss his word entirely. Jesus says, you without first sin... Cast the first stone. And they start to slip away one by one from the oldest to the youngest. The woman looked around and Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. 
go and sin no more. He holds her accountable to a standard. And in holding her accountable to the standard, he presents to her grace at the same time. That he says the critics that tried to come and trap you, the critics that tried to come and set you up are no longer here. Go, but get this, go and sin no more. Grace has just entered her life, Sister Mary. But now that she's experienced the freedom that only Jesus can give and grace, now he tells her not just go, but go and sin no more. Critics ready to stone her. But Jesus gives her a second chance. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know about anybody in here. I've already exhausted my second chance. I don't know what chance I'm on right now. I don't know. Probably in the billions by now when you calculate 36 years of living and being accountable for things that I've done. I'm up there in the billions now that I'm so glad that when he could have stoned me and said be put to death, he gave me new life and he's given me grace and told me go and sin no more. Pastor, so what are you saying? Wrap it up, sir. It's Labor Day weekend. I'm ready to fire up the grill. I hear you. I hope you put me a plate to the side. Praise the Lord. Drop your stones. Drop your stones when you've never Try to extend our offer grace. Drop your stones when we've never tried to understand or build a relationship to find out how did they get to where they are. What's the history behind the behavior? What's the history behind the lifestyle? What's the history behind the decisions? Drop your stones. We want to be a church that models what Jesus did. We want to be a ministry that would do ministry the way that Jesus did it. And that's going to be the, yeah, no, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't go against the word of God. We don't alter the word of God. We don't try to twist the word of God to make it to fit what we wanted to. No, 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 no. We don't do that at all. We hold true to the word of God, but we build relationships with people. We miss that. Because people matter to God. And because people matter to God, and we say that we were made in his likeness and in his image, they should matter to us as well. And because I've been a recipient multiple times of his grace, the same grace that's been given to me freely is the same grace I ought to be extending. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you will search our hearts and where there is a sense of entitlement because someone sins differently than us, God, I pray that you will prick our hearts, convict our hearts, Father. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, where there is judgment with no grace, where there's judgment and critique with no mercy, 
that you convict our hearts. The same grace you've given to us freely, help us to be distributors of the same grace to others. Help us not to be like the Pharisees or the religious teachers. But help us to be more like you, to, to be a better follower of you, God, so that we can be able to model what you have placed in your word. God, I pray that we don't walk away from this message saying he wasn't talking to me. Yes, you talked to all of us today. And where we wrestle with certain things that may, he be, that may have been said, God, I pray that we will not be trapped in the trap of offense. But that we will wrestle with you, Father God, so that you can begin to perfect that area. That's not right. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen. Come on and clap those hands.